You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Woo-hoo! Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks, we're back, and this time out, we are looking at Star Trek Picard Season 2. That's right, folks, we are being invaded by the fine folks over at the Earth Station Trek podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun having them join us to talk all about Star Trek and talking about what's going on in Picard, maybe even, you know, if we have a couple extra minutes, I doubt we will, but maybe go on to talk about some of the new news that has been coming out. Maybe talk about season three, what's, you know, it's already been filmed. So it's going to be very interesting to see where the discussion goes. And of course, it's going to be a fun one. And beaming up, of course, onto the show as always is Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. So are you a transplant from the 25th century? Back in, you know, 2021? Maybe. That's cool. So, you know, I kind of figured because, you know, your howdy brings peace to everybody. It doesn't <laughs> seem like something that's normally for this century. So, Well, you know, all I can tell you is that I'm here to make it so. Uh, I kind of figured you were going to go there. I kind of figured you were going to go there. But it's going to be a fun one. And we've got a great opening topic for you tonight also, folks. We'll get there in a second. But, of course, we want to hear from you guys. Please write us feedback at earthstation1.com. Please let us know what's going on in your lives. How's your week been? How's, you know, can't believe we're already midway through May already. It's pretty mind-blowing thinking about that. And, you know, we've already had our first, you know, big summer blockbuster. And we've already had one flop already at the theater, too. So... It'll be very interesting to, you know, see where the rest of the summer goes because, you know, here in Atlanta this next this week, we're already supposed to get into the 90s by the weekend. And I think we're supposed to get closer to the triple digits later into next week. Ah, joy. We haven't even hit June yet. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Also, we got to love our patrons. That's right, folks. We haven't been giving enough love to our patrons. Folks. We love you guys out there. And, you know, as a way of supporting you guys, we, you know, put, you know, content out there that is exclusive just for our patrons. As a matter of fact, right before we recorded the show tonight, we put up a new episode of ESO Board Silly, where we talk about coffee and we also talk about our first time fi- finding the internet and what we did on the internet. And some of it's not safe for kids, folks. So it'll be very interesting to talk all about with the ESO board and it's an exclusive podcast only available to our patrons. Why not join in with all the fun for as little as 25 cents a week. You too could become a patron of the ESO network. You get our show, what, 48 hours early. You get earth station who early. You also get the dragon con report early. You also get some exclusive podcasts and you know, if depending what level you're at, you even get some swag. Not too shabby, folks. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. And also speaking of pretty cool swag, 
let's say hi to our friends over at Tifosi Optical. Tifosi Optical is the amazing sunglass company out of Watkinsville, Georgia. That's right, folks. They have some amazing sunglasses. They also have gamer glasses. They have safety goggles. They also have, you know, all these different types of face shields and all these other cool products that you can't even imagine. And you know what? All of them could be custom made to your liking. Custom colors, custom, you know, frames. It's pretty cool. And if you have a prescription, they can even customize it to that. All you have to do is go to tofosioptics.com. It's definitely worth checking out, folks. And as a big way of saying thank you to you, if you put in the coupon code EarthStation1, you get 10% off your whole order. Not just one item, but your whole order. It's not too shabby, folks. And you can use it over and over again. It's just not once. You can use it multiple times. So order as many pairs of sunglasses as you want. That's tofosioptics.com. And, of course, we had some news this last week or so ago. And we're joined by Michelle from the Iconic Rock blog. And you know what? We have some amazing news. We have the class of 2022 for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And there's even some people being invited into the hall that we didn't even know were on the ballot. So, Michelle, how are you? Was this big for you? It was. Uh, it's pretty exciting. Uh, got some upsides to the class, got some downsides to the class. But uh, overall, it is pretty exciting. And I think this will be a kick-ass induction ceremony in November. November 5th. November 5th. And it's going to be hard to get a ticket. They are at wow. Theater in LA that I can't remember the name of, but it is not an arena. It only has seven thousand seats. It is going to be tough to get a ticket to this show. Well, I'm assuming also it's going to be on HBO live. It will be. I don't know if they're going to go live. No, no not. Um, but it'll be a live event, but they'll you know put it out yeah. probably like a week or two later. Probably. And if they were smart, they probably would sell it as a pay per view or something mm-hmm. like that. If you <laughs> it would be nice to see the. I mean, we've talked about it before, but I mean, Michelle and I had the had the honor of seeing one of the uh, induction ceremonies live as it happened, um, not at the arena itself or at the theater itself, but you know via TV, and um, that was really cool. There's a lot of stuff you miss um when you watch the edited version and uh it's it would be cool if that was available somehow to people uh but anyway um it's a big class so michelle i guess we should get started because there's like what 14 people getting in yes there is that's Uh, a lot (laughs) in the performer category in alphabetical order pat benatar and neil geraldo duran duran eminem the eurythmics or excuse me, Eurythmics, uh, Dolly Parton, Lionel Richie, and Carly Simon. Woo-hoo. Yeah, that's I think not it, too bad. Yeah, you yeah. guys, you guys, you know, pretty much almost everyone you guys were hoping were, would get in got mm-hmm. in. Yeah, well, I was really hoping for Pat Benatar and Duran Duran, uh, especially Pat. She's been, I think, eligible for quite some time now, and this is long overdue for her. I mean, she's one of the first rock female rock stars that I really got into uh, growing up. And I'm glad to see her finally getting her due with Neil as my, uh, with her partner. Um, Duran Duran, my first concert, uh, live concert that I saw. I, yeah, I love Duran Duran. So they're, they're uh, a definite one for me as well. Um, and I think when we did discussed it too, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think uh, we kind of predicted that Eminem, and uh, even Dolly Parton had a good shot, although Dolly Parton, lots of controversy there. <laughs> yeah, but she was one of the higher, you know, fan voted ones, too. 
to get in. So it was interesting. And she made a statement, you know, saying that, you know, you know, give it to somebody else who's more deserving. Cause as Dolly liked to say, she's never recorded a rock and roll album. Three weeks, three weeks into the voting, she says, Oh no, don't vote for me. And then the, the last day of voting, she says, Oh, if I get in, I'll be very happy. It's like, Dolly, please. Well, you know, the thing about it is, is that she's been eligible to be inducted, uh, to be a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for 30 years. So, and only now she's nominated? Like, that doesn't seem to make any sense to me whatsoever. So I'm willing to give her actions a pass on that because why would she, after 30 years, why would she, like, all of a sudden the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame says, yeah, we want you in. And it's like, why, why would you, like, change your mind at that point like yeah we want you in and and how is she supposed to react to that so well, um i agree very- with that though i do agree with that you know it's you know like we said when we talked about it a couple months back that she's been a great influence on quite a few female musicians yeah i i, I compare her to not not in the same style obviously but i compare her to someone like johnny cash who johnny cash was mainly a country and western singer but his influence over pop music rock music uh, whatever you want to call it mainstream music was huge and i think it's the same thing with dolly i mean there's a few songs that she wrote that became number one pop rock hits um so and she in fact does have like nine to five you you know you don't maybe you don't call it that rock and roll but it was on the pop charts for a long time and that rock pop is considered a style of rock. So I, I think that, you know, I don't question the fact that she's getting in. I think she's a huge influencer. Um, so I'm happy for her, but it, it was kind of a messy way to do it. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, this, but this also, also opens the door for a lot other influencers from the country and other, you know, genres of music too. Who so I think it's gonna be very interesting over the next few years to see who else is inducted, you know. Very strong female uh vocalist lineup we've got here too, between Pat Benatar, Dolly Parton, Annie Lennox, uh and Carly Simon. I mean, that's just an amazing lineup of of female vocalists that are getting in this year. I will mm-hmm. point out that Dolly Parton has performed Stairway to Heaven live. Well, see, there you go. That's it. So, That's all you need. That's, That's all you need. need. And and I don't know. Can I don't know if I want to listen to that. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I'll listen. It's long, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> better than some of her other creepy songs. Um, uh, tell us about the people who were not like voted, like the, who were getting in through special categories. I should say. Yes, the categories, which are so much fun, they're my favorite part. Uh, <laughs> musical excellence. Uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Uh, and finally, we're getting some metal into the hall. Judas Priest. Yes. Yep. They weren't voted in, but they got special categories. Breaking the hall. Yes. Breaking the hall. <laughs> yeah. Well, because, you know, they were always the bridesmaids over yep. the last few years. Actually, probably almost, what, the last seven, eight years? Mm-hmm. It does I feel think. like a, a backdoor way for them to get in. I wish they would get in under proper voting, like, as an as an act itself, because they, they deserve that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're eventually also going to see, you know, some other metal bands possibly get in. Or you also might see something like, um, what is it, you know? 
M- what was it, MP3 or whatever they were? MC3, sorry. Yeah. MC3 think- get in that way. I also think you also will see even, and I know th- those two, that's not metal, but also um, t- thinking maybe we'll eventually also see someone like Shaka Khan get in that way also because... Oh, I expected Shaka Khan and Musical Excellence. I, my jaw dropped when I did not see her name there this year. I was shocked. I'm hoping next year you're going to get her. See, it would have made even more sense to me if uh, Judas Priest had got in the, on the regular normal ballot at Fur Axe, and then Dolly Parton would have got in for musical excellence. Like that would have made more sense to me. Um, but like you know, they're in, they're in type thing. Yeah, right. And everything, but then it's going to be very interesting because you know you're getting Annie Lennox in, you know, with the Eurythmics and you know, then you're probably going to get her as a solo artist probably in the next two years too. She should be eligible. I don't know what the likelihood of her getting in as a double. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. I wouldn't think that's likely, but who knows? Just as much as Stevie Nicks. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. um, I would argue that. <laughs> I, 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 oh, I'll argue that one, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't. I didn't think Stevie was all that great solo. So a lot of people didn't, and I think you meant MC Five. Yeah, MC Five. That was it. <laughs> Yeah. MC3, MP3, you know. <laughs> R2D2. R2D2, you know. I am, I am so unhip. It's okay, folks. It's not, and those who have been listening to the podcast for years have known that. So it's okay, you know. Well, you know, and I love Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Um, uh, and they've produced a lot of great acts. I mean, you can argue, you know, we're not going to make that argument here, but they're solid, solid producers. Um, and and I, I love them. So I, I I applaud them being in as well. Yeah, I, I can't argue that. Um, the talent there as a production team is just amazing. So who else we got for? Uh, early influence, we have Elizabeth Cotton. Uh, Elizabeth Cotton uh, was a blues and folk performer. She, in her teens, she wrote an iconic song called Freight Train that has been covered by... Just all kinds of people from the Grateful Dead on up and down. It's it's an iconic song. She mm-hmm. was rediscovered kind of in her 60s. She had stopped playing music and the Seeger family, uh, Pete Seeger's uh, parents and siblings, they kind of rediscovered her in the, in the late 50s, early 60s and uh, did some homemade reel-to-reel tapes and she got on to the to the folk and blues circuit that was big then and uh, a lot of the festivals and found a whole new uh, lease on her performing life and uh, ended up getting winning some Grammys and she uh, was with us until 1987. She passed away at age 94. Oh, wow. And our other early influence is Harry Belafonte. Which is awesome. That's what, you know, but he's done so much more too. Yeah. And, you know, and Harry is just, he's awesome. And I, I'm hoping, you know, you know, that opens Calypso music to the world. No, just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, but no, um, I think, you know, he is such a talent, not just, you know, doing, you know, cause he's known for the banana boat song, but he's known for so much other work. And, you know, I saw, I listened to once to his concert at Carnegie Hall and it's just, he's just amazing. His, his vocal range is just outstanding. 
amazing actor as well and and mm-hmm. and very much a, a key figure in in oh the i would say the african-american black movement uh from the 60s 70s like he was a big part of that mm-hmm. oh very much so very very much so so yeah and especially yeah. one that crossed over um and and oh. sort of opened that door agreed agreed so yeah i i no one you've mentioned so far, I can even argue it about mm-hmm. anything, yep. you know, who's gotten in. Everyone yeah. who they've done has deserved it until Michelle's bringing up the next one. No. <laughs> and uh, at age 95, he is the oldest inductee. Wow. Into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That is awesome. Yes. So who else? Uh, and then we go into um, the... <laughs> Uh, Ahmet Erdogan Award, uh, which is for non-performers, industry people, and in alphabetical order, Jimmy Iovine, Iovine, uh, legendary producer, Mm -hmm. businessman, um, partner on the Beats headphones, um, definitely one of the movers and shakers of the industry. Cool. And Alan Grubman, and everybody in the world has been saying... Who? Huh? Uh, shorthand. He's he's the Rock Hall's lawyer. They're inducting yeah. their lawyer, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Let me tell you, folks. It's going to be a. It's no. <laughs> um, a little bit of nepotism. You got to give it a pass, I guess. Um, he's the lawyer to the stars. He was on the founding committee for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So. Give him a pat on the back and a gold watch, and here you go. And the really exciting person on the uh, Ahmed Erdogan um, slate this year is a lady named Sylvia Robinson, who had a hit as part of a duo called Mickey and Sylvia in the, I think, the very early 60s. And they had a song called Love is Strange that was featured in Dirty Dancing. And she went on to become a uh, label exec, and she and her husband uh, founded a label. She founded the label Sugar Hill Records and brought out the first rap record, Sugar Hill's um, Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang. I was going to say Sugar Hill Gang, yeah. (laughs) Yep. And uh, she also uh, got Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five to record a song called The Message, which was the first, considered the first political politically oriented uh rap song so oh, she, cool. she is considered the mother of rap and hip-hop wow so i mean she is the mother of an entire genre and she's the first woman to be honored um with the Ahmed again finally some recognition for women's contributions as industry people so very glad to see that yeah as you pointed out um she's not the one that you wrote the blog post about is she no. That was um, another woman. Like, I so, am pulling for Estelle Axton. Yeah, yeah. So that was, uh, yeah. So unfortunately, it's an all too common story about a lot of women who are behind the scenes that haven't gotten recognized. So this is a nice, uh, nice step in that right direction, righting those wrongs. So, yes. and I, and I, I personally like that category. I like the category of non performers because there are so many people outside of just the people who perform. Producers, crew members, uh, people who do tech, uh, photographers, mm-hmm. promoters, managers, like they all need to get like recognition as well, because without them, a lot of that magic wouldn't have happened either. So 
Absolutely. So that's good. Um, uh, I'm sorry, Mike. Was there someone in here that you didn't think should get in? No, not at oh. all. No, I think there's, I think literally, I'm looking at the list right here, I think every one of them hits a check mark. And I think it's very inclusive this year. And I like that, you know, I don't feel like anyone's left out. So. Very strange that uh, it is a, I thought since they were going to finally have a show in LA, they're finally added that to their, um, sort of schedule their rotation of induction ceremonies i thought okay they're going to go into the staples center they're going to fill that place up because i mean look at you've got a possible um lineup of pat benatar duran duran eminem eurythmics uh possibly dolly parton lina richie carly simon uh judas priest like that show sells out arena that show, that show would sell out an arena, and you're only playing in a, in a theater of 7,000 people? Come on. That's not even enough people for, like, all their wives and kids. Yeah, once, once, you, get, <laughs> once you get the industry bigwigs in there, good luck. Yeah. And uh, the egos won't be able to fit in there. Yeah, the so. egos are going to fit. <laughs> exactly. How are you going to have room for all of that? Like, And that's not even counting, like, all the people that, you know, aren't going to perform. All the inductees, like, people who are, yeah, I guess now there's the big thing. Like, who's going to induct all these people? So, uh, Oh, exactly. It's going to be very interesting, though, to see. The only one I'm not 100% thrilled that's getting in is Lionel Richie because I've, I'm still, when I said this in the first show that we did on this, I would have rather seen him get in with the Commodores than solo. Agreed. Everything. Yeah. So, yeah. I think combined with his Commodore work and his solo work, I think that gets him in. Yeah, but um, him getting in solo is pretty much guaranteeing that probably the Commodores will, will not get not, in. Right, exactly. That's a shame. That's a shame. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's where I'm going with it. And I don't have anything against Lionel Richie. You know, there are some songs I actually dated in high school, you know, danced with at high school. Dances <laughs> so, yeah. And, you were dancing you know, on the ceiling? Of course. Wasn't <laughs> everybody? Was, it, was, that, was that, oh, what a feeling? Yeah, and I didn't stalk a blind person, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, you're no true Lionel Richie fan. You know, but it, was him, it was him he was looking for, so it's okay. <laughs> so, but, it's yeah. a pretty impressive lineup. Yeah, yes. this is good. This is going to be a fun show. Although I think uh, I think you uh, pointed out, well, maybe you were, I know, talked to some people, and there's a lot of folks that feel like this is pretty much a safe, like, conservative uh, class that's getting in. Yeah, yes. there's nobody with any really rough edges. MC5 and New York Dolls are on the outside looking in. Um, Devo. Devo is still on the outside looking in. Um, Kate Bush, uh, she doesn't have rough edges, but she's, you know, she's quirky. She's against the grain. She's a little bit of a cult favorite. She's still on the outside. Uh, she's had several nominations and hasn't been able to crack it. Um this is a very um, HBO-ready class, and that doesn't preclude brilliance and talent at all. Um, but uh, I, there, there's plenty of time to talk about what we want to see next year. We should just enjoy this class. But I am hoping for you know, somebody like the replacements, a Devo, somebody, somebody quirky, somebody a little rough, somebody that pissed your parents off. <laughs> Hopefully, in the well, future. you know, Judith Priest is getting in, and, and they're pretty rough and and in their own way. But uh, uh, I think the biggest surprise for me was uh, the Arrhythmics. I did not 
I did not expect them to get in this early. Um, if at all, uh, I love them and I think they're worthy, but I'm kind of surprised that they're in there and I'm, I'm glad. So. Yep. I think, no, I'm very much thinking it's a cool thing to see them in. And, you know, I think they were pioneers though. They made a sound that was not like anything else you ever heard at that yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why they, you know, that's why they got in and, you know, same thing. And, you know, I wasn't all that thrilled, you know, and I, you could listen to the old show that we did about Carly Simon, but I'm glad she's there. I think, you know, she deserves it. I don't think anyone who was nominated didn't deserve it, mm-hmm. basically, and everything. So, you know, I'll I'll see, and I'll enjoy the show when I watch it. And, you know, I'm sure they'll be posting videos up on YouTube before we see it on HBO and stuff like that. Because I know, like, the Go-Go's last year did and everything like that and a few others. So it was pretty cool. Well, everybody's got cell phones. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> that they do. That they do. So the folks that are kind of unhappy right now are the uh, producers and showrunners for this. I heard an interview with them at, after last year's, and they're like, oh, God, please give us a smaller class. <laughs> nope, nope. You've got 14 names pretty much. Everybody on this list, except Elizabeth Cotton, uh, is living. Um, so there could be performances. There will be tributes. Um, have fun, guys. Yeah. It's going to be a packed show. <laughs> packed show. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, very interesting, folks. Definitely looking forward to it. Any predictions since we've got a couple minutes? For next year, who do you think is going to go at? Who's going to be nominated? Let's is there see. anybody who is like lingering uh, from this year or last year? Or who's is... going to be up? Because mm. it's, tw- it's 25 years you have to have your album out. Yeah, yeah. And so that puts us then 25 years ago. That's that's right. As of right now, that's nine. That's 97. Yeah. 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 I'm hearing a little bit of early uh, rumblings about the B-52s, ah. which would be awesome. That would be awesome. Well, especially since they're doing their farewell yeah, tour farewell this tour, year. Farewell tour, yeah. Mm. Again. No. I mean, <laughs> and so, yeah, it's going to be, I could definitely see B-52s getting in. I could see, you know, there's quite a few other bands. You know, some people are saying the Indigo Girls, possibly. Or, I could see them being nominated. I don't know if I would push. Them. I don't. I, I don't think they'll be first ballot. Uh, well, no. I mean, I don't, I don't even know if. Yeah, I mean that they're they're. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I there's a lot of other acts I think should get in before they do. Mariah yeah. Carey is considered a a very big snub. Maybe this is her year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Britney is possibly coming up too. <laughs> I don't consider that rock though, but it's pop. Well, it's Lionel Richie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, so yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting to see who's next year's class because there's still tons of st- folks from the '80s who aren't in yet. Or there's people or, from the '60s, '70s, and, and '80s that need to like you know that are still should be you know considered. Mm-hmm. Well, so, exactly. 
you know, I'm hoping that Judas Priest opens the door to a little bit more harder stuff, people getting in. But Motorhead and Maiden to begin with. Yeah, Maiden. Come on. Like that, that needs to happen. Yeah. Well, I'm still pushing for the monkeys. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people are. So you know what yeah. you know what they need? They need a, a new podcast to sort of help people get the spread the word about them so that they'll be on the mountain next year. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> that's what they need. A new podcast. That, if only we knew idea. some people who could put that together. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> yes. And you know, I'm still you know trying to get the petitions for Weird Al, so that's okay. So but that's a whole different story on itself. Well, you know, maybe he's got a new movie coming out, so maybe that'll help too. Yes, that's right. So they'll dominate Daniel Radcliffe instead. Okay, got it. <laughs> he's, what, 25 now? I mean, yeah. So, no, he's 30-something, I think, at the most. So it's interesting, and it's going to be a lot of fun to hear. We definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Who would you guys like to see? Is there anyone who's left out that you're disappointed about? Please let us know. Write us. Feedback at earthstation1.com, as always. Let's take a quick break, and we are going to be back, and we are going to be talking all about Picard Season 2. This is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. Hopefully by now we have all recovered from our trip into the multiverse of madness with Doctor Strange. I actually got a chance to see this movie for a second time, and I think I actually enjoyed it more my second viewing, even though I still kind of feel I wish they had done something different with Wanda's arc instead of just having her go full-on villain. But still, really interesting entry in the MCU and excited to see what happens next. This week at the movies, something completely different than the Multiverse of Madness is Downton Abbey, A New Era. Downton Abbey is my all-time favorite TV show. I just love period dramas in general. And there was something really special about the interplay between the characters upstairs and downstairs. Strictly speaking, do we really need another Downton Abbey movie? We did not. But am I excited for another Downton Abbey movie? Yes, I am. I hope this is going to be just a fun light-hearted, feel-good return to the characters we all know and love, a fun and breezy summer holiday. So I'm really looking forward to it. Hopefully it's fun. I don't have super high expectations, just like want to go in, be entertained, and feel good coming out of it. And that's it for this week's Box Office Buzz. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blog over on the ESO podcast website. I will be blogging my way through the summer movie season. Winter is coming. Prepare with a fine cigar and listen to the Cigar Nerds Podcast. We smoke cigars and talk about movies and all kind of nerdy things. Available at CigarNerdPodcast.com. Also on the ESO Network at ESONetwork.com. Some moments that haunt us all our lives. Moments upon which history turns. Well, hello, my friend. What is this 
What have you done? Welcome to the road not taken. Do you have any idea what's happening here? Reality has been broken. There is a divergence. I know someone who could help us understand the change in time. I'm going to need some tea. Earl Grey, piping hot. Hello, Guinan. Your answers are not in the stars, and they never have been. Earth, 2024. A single change is vastly more dangerous than you realize. None of our tomorrows are guaranteed. We're stronger together. You must bring us home. This is a very bumpy century. But uh, I think I'm getting the hang of it. I believe you have one final frontier yet to come. Welcome back to our station one. Now it is time for the main topic. And yes, folks, get ready. We are going to go boldly where no one has gone before. Well, we're going to 2024 with Picard <laughs> season two. Yes. And Woo-hoo. as Mike pointed out, we have been invaded by uh, one of the sister shows on the ESO network. The folks from our station Trek are here. Keith, Alan, Charles, Veronica, thank you for coming. Yay! Hey. Thanks so much for asking us. <laughs> Absolutely. Hi. So um, this was a uh, the second season of Picard. Um, it's a what ten is ten episode season. So yeah. we're going to try to do an overview, and uh, we'll try to get through it. Um, we will be spoiling it, folks. We definitely. When, yes, we will be. So spoilers. Nothing's off the spoilers, table. Spoilers! 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 There you go. <laughs> nothing's off the table. Um, so, uh, Ronica, we'll start with you. What were your expectations going into the second season of Picard? Um, I was expecting more. I was kind of expecting them to all be on a ship together and going and doing adventures is what was in my mind going out of season one. Because they were all on a ship together and they were leaving the um, the synth planet. And they're going to go off and have adventures. But no, not at all. <laughs> that is not the way it started. No, no. It was two years I, later. I, I, you know, I agree with that because I was very uh, not confused, but I was uh, just sort of mixed up and trying to play catch up during the first, like, I don't know, what fifteen minutes of this. Yes. Just trying to figure out like everybody who was in play, where everybody was, what what was happening. Which I don't think was a horrible way to start, but it definitely was, uh, let's say, awkward. Yes. Mm. So, um, uh, Charles, what about you? Yeah, I mean. Like Veronica said, coming off of season one, I kind of thought this this crew's become a crew now. We can explore this universe that they're in together, uh, this sort of new version of the late 24th century. But then as the promotional materials got rolling, it became clear that that's not what we were getting. And so I expected going into the season pretty much what we got, that they would – uh, they were not following up on a lot of the storylines from season one, and instead we were going to have the the bulk of the season being a time travel adventure, which I – kept reiterating on the, on the lead up to the season that I, I hope that's not what they're doing because that they were. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can't remember where I heard it once, but at some point, this was a while ago, I remember somebody saying, uh, and I think in an official capacity, maybe it was Berman at some point, and said that Star Trek was not a time travel show. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, that might be true, but there have been a lot of episodes, including, well... Dare I say, a lot of great episodes. Some of the best episodes have been time travel episodes. So it's not exactly out of their wheelhouse. No. All right. Uh, Keith, what about you? Do you have any expectations going into the second season? You know, I didn't love the first season. It was, it didn't stick with me, honestly. Uh, I remember moments, I remember characters, but the overall arc was. It, it just seemed like it was Picard finding himself again, and both physically and, you know, metaphorically and literally. And it was, it, it left me with a feeling of, of Picard and Stuart finding themselves again, but it didn't leave enough of an imprint for me to have expectations for season two. So I was 100% just blank when I went into season two. I didn't watch much about it. I didn't watch many trailers. So I was open to it. And... I liked some of it. I didn't like a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, I, I really didn't have any expectations. I was also struggling, honestly, a little bit with Discovery at that time. So I was just having to say, I just had to kind of back, just, I had to sit back and say, okay, Keith, just let it wash over you, whatever it's going to be. Wow. Going through a Star Trek crisis, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, um you know, uh, Alan, uh, what what were your expectations going in? And I'll sort of get into. Okay, well, I mean, the first season was wildly uneven, as far as I'm concerned, and there were some things about it that I just didn't enjoy. There were some great things about it. Um, it was uh, effectively showrun by Michael Chabon, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a new guy coming in for seasons two and three, Terry Metalis, and I was really excited to see what kind of different approach, different direction the show would take under a new manager, basically. Um, I didn't expect the time travel thing. um, But then when the uh, promos and stuff like that started to come out, uh, I, I, I love time travel stuff. I love alternate history stuff. Like, you know, changes in the timeline. I love all that stuff. So the first images and the first trailer that came out, I was like, dude, this is going to be my show. So that was my <laughs> expectation that I was going to love it. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and yeah, no big surprise. I mean, I think, uh, I, I think I primarily was introduced to you as a doctor who f- fan. So uh, <laughs> I knew that your love of time travel stories was there. Uh, Mike, what about you? What, uh, any, any thoughts going into this one? I did have thoughts because like the rest of everybody, I enjoyed season one of Picard. Was it uneven? Yeah, completely. There were parts I loved about it, parts that were just like, really? And, you know, I, and don't hate me for this, but I thought Patrick Stewart was not at his best in season one either. Um, I thought, you know, he seemed very frail at times and actually even hard to listen to because his voice, you know, when you hear Patrick Stewart, he has a very strong voice and everything, but he's sounding very old and very, well, he's, yeah. he's 90. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, some of that comes from the writing too, because they keep 
doing things where he's not involved. Like there's stuff going on around him and he's mm-hmm. not actively engaged in it. Like, you know, action scenes. I know he's 90, you know, and I know that, but there, there's, there should be some way of having him, you know, not just standing aside, looking at other people fighting, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then, you know, the, end of the first season with them giving him a robot body and everything was just <laughs> like, uh, really, 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 it, it just, it didn't work for me, but yeah. I was looking forward to season two because Q was involved and, yep. Q, yes. and Q was one of my favorite characters from the, yes. from the next gen series. Mm-hmm. And I lo- even loved it when he appeared in some of the other shows. And everything also, because, you know, Q's omnipotent. He goes everywhere. Why not have him mm-hmm. show up on the different ones? Sure. And yeah. I was looking forward to what they were going to do. And, you know, was I happy with it? There were parts I liked. And mm-hmm. there were parts about his character that I liked. But some of it just didn't make sense. So, but we'll get into That's true. that. <laughs> I've never heard Charles say anything about that. <laughs> I, 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 I guess we're, we should uh, warn our listeners. There's probably going to be a lot of uh, in jokes from the uh, <laughs> folks, and that's cool. So you go should listen to our episodes. You should, yeah, you there should you definitely go. listen to their episodes to get uh, to get more in the know on that sort of thing too. Mm-hmm. And look, they've reviewed every one of these episodes in depth. Uh, on their own. So I definitely would say follow up and for a much more detailed analysis and reviews of the episodes as they were airing. And are you guys going to do an overview as well? No, I think we're moving on to strange new worlds now. Oh we'll, yeah. Right. We'll circle back around to Picard at some point, but there's too much new Star Trek. To- oh, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that anything is starting up immediately after strange new worlds. I don't think we've gotten any like hard, start dates for the next thing yet. So there may be a, a chance to do some wrap up stuff for maybe strange new worlds and maybe Picard. If there's not another show that starts like the next day or something, prodigy or the season same two day. or prodigy season, season, season one, season yeah. 1.5. Yeah. Exactly. One <laughs> B. Uh, getting back to uh, Picard, uh, the season one, I uh, enjoyed for the most part. Um, I did enjoy uh, very much uh, watching Patrick step back into the role. Um, I, I just think, you know, no matter what's going on as far as story-wise, whatever, he is just solid. And I always enjoy watching him. Um, I mean, yeah, Mike, does he strike me as a little old? Sometimes I think he might be playing a little older than he is. I mean, his character yeah. is over a hundred years old in this, right? So, um, uh, and, and, Really, he seemed like during the the pandemic, the lockdown, when he was reciting Shakespeare almost on a daily basis, that he didn't seem like old doing that. Um, Like he was his voice was strong. So I almost wonder if sometimes he isn't playing up the age a little bit more in this show. Mm -hmm. Um, His appearance in in some other things lately, won't say what, but his appearance in some other things lately, he was pretty strong in those, too. So. I, maybe it's just part of it. I don't know. But um, we spoiled that last week. It's okay, Mike. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I uh, haven't seen it yet. Don't spoil me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know what you're talking about, Mike. Uh, but um, yeah, so I enjoyed that part of it. I enjoyed a lot of other things, but I didn't enjoy uh, the sort of broken, dark uh, place that the Federation is in now. I didn't like a lot of what happened to some of the characters. 
didn't really feel uh, that good to me. And I ultimately didn't really care for the overall story. Uh, I like some elements of it. Uh, always loved seeing uh, Jerry Ryan reprise role as seven. That was amazing. I think my highlight was when she uh, sort of became the board queen for like five minutes, which I thought was pretty impressive. Um, so um, yeah, I was not is that satisfied. So I was going in with the same notion here. It's like, I like watching Patrick. I like watching Jerry. Um, you know, we're going to see John uh, Delancey reprise his role as Q. That's going to be fun. There's going to be some other um, cameos and surprises, I'm sure. So, uh, yeah, I, I I wasn't sold on a lot of the other um, characters that were introduced in season one, though. And I yeah. found that even in this second season, they did not do much to make me really care about them either. No. So, so let's talk about this season two that aired. Um, what are some of the things that you like? Keith, let's start with you. What is one thing, one element of this second series that really you were impressed by or enjoyed? I, we talked about this on Nurse Station Track a lot. I like a lot of, the, I like all the characters and I like the mm-hmm. performances a great deal. Um, and Rios, I think, became my standout. I just like him. Um, you know, he's, he might be what you call a cliche. He's a bit of a rogue. You know, we've seen it a million times where you're talking pirate movies or Han Solo or something like that. And in the it's first, usually, it's season, usually an indication like they're smoking a cigar, right? Like that's absolutely like- <laughs> right, right. And in the in the first season, he he came off as as too much of a of a cliche, which is not necessarily bad. But in the second season, somehow they found the right balance of that mm. with the mm-hmm. way he carried himself. And another thing that could have been an incredible throwaway and irritating cliche is the little him and the relationship with the little kid. And then him developing affection for the kid's mom. All those things could have been incredibly cliched, especially in a time travel story. But somehow they hit that character well and the actor hit the character well. I really came off liking Reels. He really came off as a charming guy. He came off, I could even believe his decision to want to stay in the past. Um, I think his performance was my favorite really coming out of the entire thing. Another thing I like, but I didn't get enough of, it was a frustration. I love the dystopian future they showed, but at the same time, I was incredibly frustrated because it's almost like they were passing through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were there and then they went, but I really did like that. I, w- I honestly wish we could have stayed in a dystopian future longer. Yeah, one um, more episode there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think real stood out the most for me. It was interesting, though, because, you know, especially in that episode, when they showed Picard's house and he had all the skulls. Yeah. And everything. Oh, that was yes. just like, that was awesome. Some you know, yes. eggs in there. Yeah. 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 He even called out Gold Dukat. He killed Gold yeah. And Martok. Yeah. Martok. Okay. Yeah. yeah no. Oh, come on. I mean, seriously. I know. I, know Picard, I, I have to wonder about that because, Mike, you're talking about his age, but I'm like, Picard took off. Because have y'all seen Gold Dukat fight in DS9? Uh-huh. Yeah. Man wields a batlet like Worf. Yeah. And Martok is no jokes. I I would love to have seen Picard take those guys out. Uh. <laughs> they don't have the special effects budget for that. Well, you know, well, if that Picard had gotten his robot body earlier, then yeah, sure. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That is true. We don't know the status of the synthetics in that timeline. Right, right. I mean, yeah, they could have, yeah, whatever. They could have said whatever. Uh, Alan, what's something you really liked and appreciated about the second season? Um, I feel like I'm, I might be taking Charles's answer on this. You can but, have it. <laughs> okay. Maybe you have another one ready to go. 
But uh, the, I loved the starting point of this season. I loved um, the first season sort of painted every one of those characters as like broken characters, especially mm-hmm. Rafi and Rios. And I felt like they started in such a stronger place for all of the characters, particularly Rafi Rios 7, even Gerardi. I, I just mm-hmm. felt like everybody was sort of had found themselves, you know, not the actors, but the characters. Mm-hmm. And, and I loved seeing um, uh, Rafi as a Starfleet officer, competent, you know, instead of the, the broken, you know, sitting in her trailer, smoking dope chick mm-hmm. from the first season. <laughs> um, you know, and I loved seeing, um, uh, uh, what's the Vulcan kids? I mean, the Romulan kids name. Elnor. Elnor. I love seeing Elnor coming into Starfleet. That was, I just, I just love the starting point that they mm-hmm. created for that. And starting it two se- uh, two years after the end of the first season, I thought was a smart move and gave them the opportunity to, you know, jump ahead from all of that, like, character, like, connection building that they would have had to have done to where they were already all connected and all strong. So that's the thing that I love the most. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, even though, um, as we said earlier, I was disoriented by that it was still interesting and and i i had to play catch up i mean i like i like it when shows do that actually i like it when uh, a show that i love farscape used to do that every episode it would start like or in the middle of stuff and you'd be like did i miss like a three part or something like um and and uh so yeah that was that was pretty cool um but then then they have to try to think of some con- convoluted way to get them all together in the same place. And sometimes that's kind of clunky, but I thought it worked pretty well in this one. Yeah. Uh, Charles, what about you? What, uh, what, uh, now that Alan already took your answer, uh- <laughs> <laughs> what alternate answer are you going to give us? Hmm. Well, I agree with what, what both Keith and Alan said. I think the performance has been wonderful. And I'll throw in Annie Worshing too, as the board queen. Mm-hmm. I thought she was yeah. fantastic as the new board queen. I think they're, they wrote her very well as well. Yes. That she was snarky and sarcastic, yeah. but also yeah. very manipulative, but they also wrote great material not all great material, but they wrote some great material for Brent Spiner and uh, John Delancey as well. I mean, they yeah. had some some yeah. fantastic stuff in there. Right. Um, as it went along, Brent Spiner's material sort of uh, declined in quality of what he was given to do. But and but one thing I really loved about this season too was that they took all sort of weird little obscure things from Star Trek history and wove them into the story. Now, how well they're woven into the story is up for debate. But things <laughs> like Gary Seven and the supervisors, yeah, right, exactly. hasn't been mentioned on Star Trek on screen since '68. Uh-huh. I mean, you have a lot of little things like that they sort of pulled together. Um, that I, I love that kind of stuff. I love mm-hmm. bringing that back into the mythology. Yeah, right. absolutely. Uh, tying that in with the travelers, right? Because um, mm-hmm. we kind of got to see that at the end there, and yeah. and uh, yeah, I like it when they sort of uh, follow up on that too, because uh, there was there was a, a lot of times where you know the stuff like that could have I felt like as a Star Trek fan they could have tied a lot of this stuff in, but they sort of didn't either know or, or ignorant or they just didn't care. You know, right. to tie mm-hmm. some stuff up. You know, I'm still waiting for that thing where we get the preservers. <laughs> like, to <laughs> like, come back in some way. Oh, yeah. Uh, there have been so many times where I'm like, you know, the preservers would have been great. In the- but no, they didn't. They didn't. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I know. Who would have thought? Preservers fan, right? Um, <laughs> Veronica, what, Veronica, what about you? So I'm really excited. No one else said my thing because I had absolutely no back. But I could not have thought up anything on the fly. But um, 
I, I really liked Jurati um, uh-huh. in this, in this, she had so much more to do yeah. and um, the way that she had to almost, com- I mean, she had to change how she was approaching the character mm-hmm. like completely. Yeah. Um, and when the Borg queen took her over and then just shifting into that and then the shifting the back and the forth really quickly, um, like she had to do early, early in the season before the Borg queen had actually fully taken over. Um, and watching that was just amazing. Yeah. She was phenomenal. Yeah. Yes. She yep. earned her, earned her second billing, right? Yes. <laughs> earned, earned that extra paycheck, uh, that little extra amount in their paycheck that she was getting for second billing. I think I, another thing that I really liked on that same note is that Orla Brady got an expanded role in season two. And I just think she's fabulous. Mm-hmm. I think she's fabulous too. Although I didn't care much for the role they gave. I, I, well, I, I, I'm not saying that the role made a lot of sense all the time, but I think <laughs> she was wonderful in it. She's always yes. great. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I think too. I mean, it's been mentioned by a, a few of you. The, I think I, and there's no fault of the acting in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some of the characters yeah. are written a little flatter than others, and the actors are really trying to do the most they can in some with some of the material, uh, like Brent, um, as you mentioned, <laughs> but. Um, but no, I don't have a fault with any of the actors per se. Um, so, and especially Alison Pill, I'm a big fan of hers from all a lot of things, and she's amazing in this. I, you know, the her becoming her scenes with the Borg Queen and all the stuff that she got to do was really great. Her sort of heel turn uh, was great. Um, it was, you know, pretty. It was it was sort of plant like it was. <laughs> You could really tell where it was going, though, as far as right. and 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 sort of like I think there were certain certain things that didn't seem to really necessarily or you know to logically work, but they had to do them because they had to fit the story that they were telling. Yeah, um, you know, like the only reason that the board queens ma- has a mask on them at the beginning of the the first episode is so we don't know who it is, right? Like, right. I mean, oh, that's, of course, that's, that's, that's it's like, come on, people, that's yep. lazy. That's it, lazy. It was so easy to, to figure way. out. It was so so easy. And, and 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 why did she say look up? There was no reason to say look up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, now it was, you could also argue though that the. That Gerardi and the Borg Queen knew that they hadn't gone back in time yet, and so she had to shield her identity until after they had had their time travel. That's you right. Could, you could. You get a no prize for that. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, the, uh, um, uh, but still, you know, like I said, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that as it went on, you kind of knew where it was going. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the reason, that, you know, it's like, oh, we're just going to ha- let her disappear with the ship. It's like, well, that's like stupid that's stupid yes. <laughs> let, let her have the ship um uh, especially it- after i'm sorry especially after making a big deal about changing the timeline early in the season yes like don't put those lines in that changing the timeline is bad and then say sure the board queen can take our ship and fly away that's yeah. fine you know I, I, you, okay you've just launched charles on his <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm being good, yeah, yeah. I'm being good. <laughs> no 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 we'll, 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 we'll get to we'll i can see the some... i can see the blood dripping down his lip because he's biting we'll it so hard concer- we'll get to some other concerns later but right now i want to hear what mike has to say about what what he enjoyed about uh series two i enjoyed the character building i think there was a lot of building i thought a little bit too much of dealing with picard and his mom and the flashbacks mm-hmm. was it was too heavy-handed, and I thought it was 
I thought there was so much storyline that they did not touch on or they introduced that they did they had to throw out basically because they were focusing too much on Picard and his past and his mom. And one quick question. Where was Picard's brother in all this? You know, mm-hmm. uh, it was a big question the, for me too. The, the, mis- I, the missing I, brother. I read somewhere that he like. There's a line that uh, like yeah. someone says about he's off to school or somewhere. That's the right. Yeah. Or whatever, which is which right. is ridiculous. So lame. But, yeah. Why is that? Why is that ridiculous? Why can't well, he be off at school? Because my understanding was is that well he can be off at school, but my understanding was that he was the one more than anybody that was supposed to take over the vineyard. So he was not the one that was going out and doing like space stuff. It was he was staying taking care of the vineyards. It was Picard that was going to go off and do all. Yeah, that. I, right. I think he was just at school. He wasn't at Starfleet Academy no, or space no. school. Or yeah. Right, no. right, right. But still, it was clunky. It, right. it yes. was very, very, very clunky. It's um, this very intimate moment with the family, and we don't get one of the family members. It's always kind of clunky yeah. when that happens. And truthfully, I could have done without the Brent Spiner storyline, even with it. And I like Brent. Yeah. That w- there was no reason for that at there, all. Whatsoever. There was like none. any of that. I think. I think you know you have to have the Brent Spiner thing in there because I think he's on his way to playing what like twenty six characters in Star Trek now, like. Yeah. <laughs> And, well, and all of them with the same name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All of them with the same last name. Like he, like yeah. You just have to like. I, I'll be curious to see what they do in season three with him. <laughs> It'll be yeah, exactly. Because you know, it, he didn't technically have any heirs. Other, you know, and how could he can carry on the soon name? You know. You know. And always looking alike, Mike. We've we've been joking about that. We're thinking like you're going to go back to like caveman times, and there's going to be a, a Brent you know, Spiner. Yeah, <laughs> he'll be the one uh, to discover fire or something, or he'll be the one looking at the. <laughs> and don't get me started about Project Khan. You know, yeah, that. Yeah. Like, that was like the biggest hammer over our head that we didn't need. No, I was like that, that no. But on a positive, <laughs> I loved, and I do emphasize, loved. I loved Talon. She was awesome. She was fantastic. Yeah. 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 And I just, I thought it was fantastic to include her in it. And I thought the, uh, using, you know, how she looked like Laris and everything and same actress, of course. But um, I also love young Guinan. I thought it was pretty cool too. Yeah. To a point. To a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had a we had a very hard time finding the Guinan in her young Guinan in mm-hmm. at least initially. Initially, initially in that right. First yeah. initially, yeah. yeah. Right. And but she, I think she was a really good actress. I just mm-hmm. I don't know. It wasn't I written just, all, you know. And, but she yeah. again Guinan could have not been in the story and you don't need her. Right. Because they could have yes. just found the watcher. You know what yeah. I mean? That's an, there's a right. lot of elements in this 10 episode story that you could have just removed and made it right. more co- made it co- more coherent. Very right. much so. And I love John Delancey, but I forgot that he was even in it for part of this whole storyline. Yeah. Oh yeah. sure, yeah. easy it, to do. And it was just like, oh yeah, Q's the big bad in this, you know. <laughs> a, it was like I forgot about that cuz I was you they you know, threw him off the scene for what two episodes or something, and then he realized, oh, I have no powers, or you know, oh, I have knowledge about this, so I can help cure the daughter or whatever. It's just like, yeah, it was interesting that he had powers sometimes, but yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and his plan doesn't hold up to a lot of scrutiny. No, no, no. It's, it's like a, it's like one of the master's plans from old Doctor Who. It just doesn't make right. any sense, right? But no. you love the guy playing him. Yeah. I, uh, it feels. Go ahead, sorry. It feels to me like they had this like 
hour and a half long movie type thing. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, okay, so we have let's this great idea. Yeah. Let's stretch it out to 10 episodes. Agreed. And let's just insert random stuff in here and we'll eventually make it 10 episodes. Even if like one of the episodes is completely and totally useless to the entire entirety <laughs> of the plot. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think yeah. I felt the same way too. It felt like a, and I, I think you guys talking about Q. I, I gotta say, I'm still confused. Honestly, what was what what was Q's motivation? I don't understand why. Here he we lost go again. I know. <laughs> what was his he, motivation? We still don't have the answer. For all right, him. All yeah. Right, I, I, all right. I'm gonna. That's okay. So this gets to my uh, the thing I liked, and and we're gonna like go into you know the the, the things that didn't work <laughs> for us, whatever. And right at the forefront to me is the Q storyline because I love uh, yeah. the idea. I love yeah. the idea of this being the last Q story. I love right. this being the idea of the last Q uh, Picard story. I love mm-hmm. the idea of exploring their relationship. I love the idea of learning more about the continuum, about the relationship the continuum has with Guinan species. I love all of that. And, and that was what I was hoping was going to be the main thread throughout this whole thing. I love the, uh, the idea that, um, you know, Q is facing his own death. So uh, what does he do? He needs to learn from, uh, well, at first I thought, okay, what he's doing is he doesn't know how to face his own death. So he's putting Picard and his, and his merry men uh, and women into a situation where they're facing death. So he's going to learn from their experience and learn how to face death like that. Right. So or an impossible mm-hmm. situation, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And then at the end, uh, you know, Q says, well, I was doing all this for you, you know, to help you overcome this thing that right. I never knew was a thing that you needed to overcome, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I just like, yeah, the fact that Picard has never been able to get close to somebody because of this thing that happened in his past that's that they waste way too much time on does not work with me um, at all. And so um, I wish they had spent more time I wish they would spent more time investing in telling us about what are they waiting for? Like, tell us about the continuum. Tell us about Q. Like what, why does this have to be a mystery still? Like why, right. you know, the relationship between uh, the continuum and guidance people and all that, why do they still need to, to make that a mystery? Why don't we finally unlock some doors here instead of just keeping this facade? Um, and, and so that was really frustrating. And um, by, and by open some doors, what you really mean is, Pop the cork on the genie bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty, well, no, you're completely right with that, Absolutely. Alan. You're yeah, completely. yeah. Well, and, exactly. but the other, but what you're saying just now, if half of those things had actually happened and been factored into the plot of the season, I think it would have been so much better. It yeah. would have been the best, but, one of the best seasons ever. Yeah, right. But I just felt so. I just felt there was like no connect between whatever the hell it was that that Q was doing and what he was making Picard go through. I just didn't yeah. feel right. like the whole season, like this, there, there were, there were two separate. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Well, yeah. He wants him to address his feelings about his mother. So he goes yeah. back in time, 400 years and messes with an ancestor. He's never met. Right. And I guess in the hopes that he'll land at his old abandoned house, 300 years before he lived there <laughs> and then have memories about things that are going to happen in the future when he was a kid with his mother. Right. But I mean, the, the real problem is that the whole thing is based around Picard. Can't tell Laris that he loves her because of his childhood trauma, but I don't believe that he loves her. No. I mean, 
right. throughout yeah. season one, there's just no chemistry there. I mean, no we, chemistry we were there. introduced and, to him. Right. She was his fussy housekeeper who had a husband. Right. And then she comes back this, this season with different hair and it's like, and, and, and no husband. To, and one scene, I'm supposed to believe that you two are in love. And right. there was no reason that that same actress right. had to play that watcher character. Right. And you know what? That, just, that was just, that just confused yes. matters even more. It just didn't it's, work. And then they announced that. Uh, Beverly Crusher's coming back while I'm supposed to be engaged in this story about Picard and what's her face. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's what's going to make season three good because then they'll be like, he'll be married to her. It, it's Picard romantic tension and, all the way. And, and meet Picard and then hear Crusher and be like, oh, this is awkward. But, uh, but, but Orla Brady did need to play that role because it was, it was Picard being there when Laris needlessly dies to get him to understand that, that when he comes back, uh, no, Talon. I'm sorry. Uh, that Talon needlessly died, and when she, and when he comes back, <laughs> Laris might not still be there. Laris could die too, and so I think that that was that. I think that that did have to be the same actress. So you think that if her if her ancestor wasn't identical, that he wouldn't have felt that? <laughs> yes, because because the whole first two episodes that she's there, he keeps mis, you know mistaking her for. Laris. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. So the, uh, I, I think that was an intentional connection by whatever the hell it was Q was doing. We mm. should have, well, we should have seen, like, just to my point, though, and I'll, and, and yeah, uh, I'll get off this one in a minute, but just to finish up the Q <laughs> sure, thing. Sure, sure, sure. Like, the scene between Picard hugging Q should have been, like, so heartbreaking. So, and yeah. then, like, it should have been Q dying in Picard's arms, to be honest with you. Yes. That would have been. That would have been a moment and a special moment of Star Trek history. Um, instead, we get this sort of like, you know, just sort of weak ending for him. Like, yeah, he's going to go yeah. off to die. We don't really know what that looks like. I mean, I think it was someone suggested, was it Q's death that caused the anomaly? And I was like, well, that would have been cool if they had explained it that way. <laughs> yeah. It, didn't. it like, would have so, made well, so much more sense. Um, but yeah, it's like, come on, people. Uh, like, on the uh, one uh, hand, you're like hammering us over your head, over the head with these Easter eggs, like the, the con project or whatever. And you're not really paying attention to some story beats that are really integral to this. Well, my minute. one quick, qu- one real quick question, last thing, as you said on the queue, at one point, did not, did Q not tell Picard, I did not send you back in time? Yeah, well, he said he, that to someone else. Yes, he did. Yeah. Okay, so then why is he back in time doing all this stuff? If Did he just take advantage of it because he noticed it? I, I don't know. I mean, did he just assume that Picard's going to figure out where he went in time and come back? I, I mean, think I, so. I, I, mean, I, I am com- Yeah, that, that, that completely lost me because we saw you know, one of the best episodes in Next Generation is Tapestry where Picard dies on an operating mm-hmm. table and Q creates a, um, a recreation of his past so that he could learn a lesson. Um, so when Q said, I didn't send you back in time, I'm, I'm truly lost. And what does that mean? That Q just see Picard go back in time and said, now I'm going to go back in time and teach him a lesson. If he wanted <laughs> to do that, he could have done another tapestry kind of thing in right, the right. future. And so I'm really lost. Well, that. Literally, Q could have done anything. Right. <laughs> yeah. But right. Keith, the Keith, I thought you were going to take the Q to go on your, your signature tirade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is it Q dying? Is it the whole continuum dying? Why is Q dying? 
I don't know, but Mike said something very interesting because <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been really sticking with that. Is it just the one cue or the entire? But there's a point I never thought of. If the entire continuum for some reason died and that energy was released, that anomaly could be explained by that. But then I'd like to know yeah. what happened. Okay. That's I, a good well, idea. Well, yeah. let's roll the, with that. Here's the interesting <laughs> thing about that too. When Guinan summons a cue, mm-hmm. the only cue that shows up is Q. Yeah. Yep. Like, right. Why is it? And he took it. He takes his time. Corbin so, Vincent wasn't available. Like were the other, yeah, were the other cues just out doing other cue things? And they John Delancey's the, son wasn't around. Yeah, so it's like it's like you know, yeah, Corbin Vincent, right? Uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, the um, so I, yeah, so we are there's there's evidence in this to suggest that Q is the last of the continuum. Um, but, it, but it's not clear. And I don't know why they, you know, they've certainly explained the Borg and taken almost all the mystery out of them. Like, I don't know why they're like reserving the right, the, the rights to do that with the, with the continuum. Like, why not tell us more about them? Uh, yeah. although I do think the Borg queen was used pretty effectively here, both yeah. when she was herself very creepy having that sort mm-hmm. of uh uh yeah that's one thing i really uh, my favorite part of this whole thing was the the board queen storyline and uh with um agnes i think that was really amazing and uh she was damn uh, right spooky especially like was, when she oh, yeah. was like in the spider web type thing it, mm-hmm. that yeah. was pretty awesome it, it's yeah. weird for me though to think that here she is like looking like the board queen is like looking for people to like you know help her and you know take over things and i'm like you have two former borgs right on the ship like you can't <laughs> activate them. Like nope, not no. I have to get new people, and I'm like that well, doesn't make any. She needed a weird adrenaline boost, and she needed to eat batteries. So that <laughs> was <laughs> Luckily, they didn't have anyone guarding the board queen for long periods of time. Yes. Oh, sure. So yeah. she had plenty right. of time to escape and regulate things, make plans, which and made no sense. And- all right. Speaking of other things that made no sense. All right. <laughs> if we haven't mentioned already, because I know that we've kind of gotten into a lot of criticisms of this, uh, which there are. Um, any other main criticisms, criticisms that uh, you want to point out, uh, things that you are not satisfied with with this series? Uh, we'll start with you, Alan. Why, thank you. Um, I think it was sort of a missed, I hate saying missed opportunity. I hate when people like overuse that phrase. But having this set in the time in which it was set, I really wish that there had been more tie-ins with uh the ds9 episode past tense Mm. i think instead of like throwing rios in um uh wherever it was uh i thank you i couldn't remember i throw him in a sanctuary city or something have some specific reason for having it in that time frame and expand our understanding of that time frame at least have a poster of gabriel bell on a wall somewhere i mean i just it just seems like there's these two like threads that you should be tying together and they're just laying there separate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, that's, I that's totally, one of my things. I totally agree with that. I thought, you know, the, the callbacks to star Trek four, right. Yeah. Four yeah. were, I thought the, 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 the same actor playing the punk guy in the bus was hilarious. Yes. Uh, when Rio yes. said, I only work in space, I thought, damn, yeah. you, do not, you do not get to take the Kirk line. You do not get to take the Kirk line. <laughs> that is, uh, that's not, that's no good. That's a no good. 
<laughs> um, but uh, there was a lot of similarity. So they, I think they recognized that and they've made a lot of callbacks uh, mm-hmm. or a few anyway. I probably, those are two. I, I'm sure there are more. Um, Charles, what about you? What's something you didn't care for? I mean, back in the 90s, when we used to get 24 episodes in a season, there would be filler episodes, mm-hmm. right? And But now a 10-episode season, it's all scripted before the season starts. You shouldn't have filler episodes. You shouldn't have the ep- – the, you, you've got 10 weeks to tell a story, and you use one of those weeks with Picard getting captured by an FBI agent who was abducted by Vulcans when he was a kid and then letting him go. I mean, that doesn't build the story. Played by a guy you know I mean? who was a time agent. I was just about to say, played by the guy who uh, – so how, how many of us, like, Trek guys were, like, thinking – Trek yes. nerds were like going, yes. oh, he's a time agent. He's going to reveal himself yes. as a time agent. Right. Because yes. they're, you know, under normal circumstances, I probably wouldn't have thought about it. But this is a time travel story. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I'm like, did they not know when they casted that? Did they think they were no, being they cute? Who knows? I think, I think maybe they're being cute or maybe they just like the actor. But uh, yeah, things like that. But also like when, it, when Rios is captured by ICE. That storyline went nowhere. That did not inform no. his character for the rest of the season. No. No, I mean, the next episode, he's he's breaking into a party and joking about the cigars. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, that should have been the driving force behind his character for the rest of the season is I've experienced what this time yeah. period is like. And it's changed him <clears> in some way. But it, it yeah. doesn't. It's forgotten. And it's never mentioned again. It, yeah, and I, the, only th- the only thing it served was that introducing him to the contemporary characters that he starts a family with after he leaves the show. Mm-hmm. Right. That's I will it. say that I think it does kind of build with that relationship and it does kind of give him a reason to stick around because he oh, knows yeah. how bad things are and he wants to try to help as well. Yeah. Um, because, you know, even though he had found a place back in the Federation again, um, I don't, you know, the fact that he's sitting there on the bridge smoking a stogie, I'm like, he's not comfortable here. Like he, he like, yeah, uh, yeah he's, I, I could, I didn't have a problem. It made, it's totally sense for his character to go to stay back there. I think. Oh yeah. We oh, all predicted so. that he was going to stay in the past, yeah. like at least halfway through the season. Oh yeah. yeah it was so pretty obvious. None of us were surprised by that. So. It was funny. Cause when they, they took him to the, the kid and the, the doctor to the ship, it was like, oh yeah, he's staying back there with them. He's not going oh, back. I thought that was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in any Star Trek. Like I was like, he's bringing no the, flies, he's bringing them let's on. Bring him here. He's bringing right. them on the ship, and I'm like, I'm going. Oh, the kid's going to become a Borg. And then the kid starts because the, the kid runs off, right? And I'm like, right, right. Uh, and we don't know where the Borg Queen is at time. That, that time, I'm like, oh man, the kid's going to get infected. And then later on, like the kid, like he eats some replicator food, and he's like, I don't feel good. I'm like, oh my god, here it comes. <laughs> that would have been like then a metal piece pops out of his head or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, his stomach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the chest burst. Uh, Mike, what about you? What's something that uh, didn't work for you so much in this series? Um, I didn't care f- the whole thing about the Picard ancestor. It was it was mm. almost like throwaway again. Captain yeah. Baltar. Yeah. Or Daddy Baltar. Daddy Baltar. Yeah. And because yeah, he wasn't really a captain, he was never in. No, I, no, I wasn't even talking. Uh, that's Picard's father, and him I liked. I actually, who are you talking about? No, I was talking about the Renee, Renee and everything. Oh, 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 yes, yeah. okay. Oh, so I, that's see. I see, I gotcha. yeah. yeah, that's that's one of my points. If if Picard <laughs> knows about the Europa mission and knows why it's important, how does he not know he has an ancestor <laughs> on the mission? Exactly, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and it's and it's funny they created that whole mission just for the show because any you know lore and everything from Star Trek 
never talked about the the mission and they and you know Picard was like oh, it's so important to the creation of the federation and everything no it isn't the the most important thing to the creation of the federation is when humans created warp drive and the vulcans actually found first contact yeah for in first contact with uh sight you know with that and it was just this was like boom out of nowhere and picard was like oh this is what q has been going for and he's going to stop the mission and it was just like it was like no i it was just like i just my head was hurting you know watching some <laughs> of this stuff and judy kept on saying why are you rubbing your temples all the time and it was just like <laughs> <laughs> the thing that made it for me the thing that made it not so frustrating was because I think just Patrick Stewart is just awesome to watch. So I'm watching him through all this stuff and he's nailing it. I think he's doing a great oh, yeah. job and he's compelling yeah. to watch. But then afterwards, when I think about it, I'm like, why is this in here? Like, it's just like, it's just, yeah, it's, it feels empty. Uh, Keith, what about you? What's something? Uh, first thing I want to say, Michael, that comment you just made about Mike, uh, about Patrick Stewart, I think what you were echoing is the feeling we all had was there were, roundly across the board great individual performances but we don't know what they added up to mm-hmm. um brent spiner was great until toward the end he became a ridiculous bad guy who could get onto yep. a base just by saying i donated a bunch of money to the space program yeah, where, where was his mustache to twirl or something yes, exactly and so i think my least favorite thing was actually sung because it's getting a little silly that every song and every generation is not only a genius, but basically an evil genius. And it's almost like the Sung family is now almost solely <laughs> responsible for everything else that happens outside of people like Zephyr and Cochran, because <laughs> in the series Enterprise, it was the Sung who started the project that was going to become Data mm-hmm. after he had, he had messed with the augments. And now I guess you go back in time. Is he going to inherit his love for the augments from his great granddaddy or whatever this song is? <laughs> and it is getting a little silly that you got at least three generations of songs across centuries who look alike. No, um, no, no, no. They all cloned themselves, obviously. That'd be yeah. great, but that wasn't in the story. But what, yeah. what you, we, we haven't seen yet that he has a project set from Cochran folder in that drawer right underneath the con folder. So we're just waiting for him to. Pull it out now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Yeah. So I think I think the I think I think the, I think the song thing is just it's a little too much for me at this point in time. And that's why I'm only half joking. Where you go back a million, uh, hundred thousand years, and there's a caveman that looks just like him. It'll discover Spire or the wheel or something. And what will be his role in season three? That's a big yeah. That's thing. what we keep asking. Is that uh, yeah. yeah? Okay. Uh, speaking of season three, I just want to say. That um, they released that little trailer that sort of tells you that the entire Next Generation cast is coming back for season three midway through season two. And then at the end of the season, you see all the you see them clearing the way for that to happen Mm -hmm. by all of these characters having an exit by being basically written out of the show in different ways. Why? I agree. I wish they had not done that. I wish I they had gone through the process the way that they did with writing all the characters out, with having them all come to a conclusion and leaving the viewer to think, what the hell is going on mm-hmm. if all of these characters are suddenly out of the story? I, if, I, if Eleanor is dead and if, all, you know, and, and then release the, the trailer for season three. I just thought it was so weird the way that they handled it. It was almost like pulling the rug out from under season two 
before want, it even had a chance to stand, really. Yeah, I want to finish uh, with some more thoughts about season three, but I want to hear from Veronica about the season two things that uh, maybe something that disappointed you. I was, I mean, so I love the Borg queen, but the whole her getting that army and getting the mm. army quickly and just like touching <laughs> them and they turn into Borg. There was no process. Sort of baby Borg. They weren't even that Borgish. No. no, they weren't full Borg. <laughs> and are no. their bodies still in the walls? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So were their bodies in the walls in Picard's time? Yeah. The I bullet would, holes were there. I would hate to see the contractor who had to come in there to try <laughs> to get kidding. them out. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh. And also, Mike, based on what Veronica was saying about the Borg, one thing we joked about in our show was all you got to do is avoid that green ray of light. And you can yes. avoid getting hit. <laughs> Pretty much. It was kind of funny. Yeah, you do have that. They have that tell, right? It's like. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was no point to them being assimilated or quasi assimilated. They yeah. just acted like guys anyway. Yeah. They acted yeah. like military, like special right. ops. And, and if the re- green laser wasn't pointed directly at you, they couldn't see you. Yes. And forgive me for saying this because it, we really did. We all got a good laugh out of this. I think Charles is the one who said, remember this? Soong was like, okay, I'm going to do whatever. And all of a sudden, Soong's got a mercenary army like on, yeah. on speed dial. Because they just right. showed up out of nowhere. Well, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't, doesn't everybody? Come on. <laughs> He's discredited one episode. The next episode, he has the army on call. <laughs> but then he gets back onto NASA or whatever and, and gets to go all through security things by saying, I don't need a whole bunch of money you better let me get close to that mission that was weird Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right so we've talked about the highs and the lows of season two um just real quick uh with a how did you feel about like season two as a whole and then what are you expecting or hoping for in series three and to alan's point one another thing i want to point out this is how clunky paramount just they just seem to just trip over themselves all the time so they make that announcement like hey everybody from next generation is coming back and then you know when they're pressed on it it's like oh wow that's great it's going to be like a next generation reunion it's like well they're not all going to be together (laughs) it's like (laughs) what no no they're not all going to be like on the same episode together or anything oh god forbid well i mean i would have please said that i've predicted that (laughs) i mean (laughs) please just take the wind out of our sails like come on like god forbid well I don't know. I find it hard to believe that it's not going to end with all of them, like in, in one episode. Yeah. I mean, it's got to. If this is going to be it, the end, like you have to do that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait. Okay. So I guess I don't read enough, and Chuck hasn't told me this. I didn't realize that we're all going to be like together on an episode. Uh, yeah. Me either. Yeah. You thought it was going to be just a normal <laughs> Trek thing where they're like, oh, yeah. like, you know, there's some mission that only they can solve. So they have to get together and combine their skills to steal an enterprise and yeah. go save the day. Like, well, that's the other thing I want from, and, and I'll say it right now. The other thing I want to see from season three for sure is I want to see this enterprise. I want to see a new enterprise. I want I to think see, we are. They don't have to like, and, you know, it's cool if it wants to be a new captain, a new crew that they interact with, and we get to maybe see another enterprise show come out of this. Mm-hmm. That would be beautiful. Like, pass that torch like that's yeah. what it yeah. should happen here yeah. um and that's what i want to see because you know i mean i i will go on record and say like like you know uh, for me like some of the best star trek shows have had an enterprise uh not all the best shows but all some of them have and i uh i will tune in if it's got an enterprise um and 
I want to see it go forward. I want to see what the future of the Enterprise and the Enterprise crew look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I want to see from Series 3. Um, what do you guys want to see from Series 3? And were you happy overall or not happy with Series 2? Keith, we'll start with you. I was not happy with Season 2 because I really, I truly, I'm not joking, I do not understand the plot of what I saw. <laughs> I don't understand the Q. I don't understand Sung. I don't understand why Q was in the past. I literally don't understand how they're trying to say that two years from our time, we have the ability to get to Europa in less than like 10 years. And that there's a weird, they kind of tossed aside that she's going to find an alien life form in our planet, in our planetary system, and it's going to cure all the ills on earth. But then world war three is coming soon. I mean, it it just felt like a, a hodgepodge. So overall phenomenal performances by almost everybody across the board, but the plot just didn't add up for me. I may be different from everybody on this because I'd love to see the next generation cast, but honestly, I would rather see this cast get a good season three and I would sacrifice the next generation cast coming back to see these people, including Girardi, get one more year together to do a great adventure. Yes. You'll have them killed? I was going to say. Like, wow, <laughs> Keith. Oh, I don't even like that. You feel but very hey. strongly about this. <laughs> I would sacrifice them. <laughs> He's got a mercenary army. They better watch out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's going, to be, it's going to be a mystery. Like, in each episode, a crew member of the next generation dies. And Picard and his <laughs> crew have to find out who's killing. That would be, that would be horrendous. But I must say, Hilarious. I would be compelled to watch it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The way Keith is writing it, sure. I would definitely. <laughs> it would be like the season four episode, Remember Me, but deadly. Yeah. <laughs> and it starts with Spiner. <laughs> All right. Uh, Veronica, what about you? What is? Uh, did you like it overall? Not. And then what do you want from season three? Um, I didn't completely and totally hate it but like keith i was completely confused and there was a bunch of pointless episodes and nothing connected um from season three uh based on what we know um i'm a little confused because john delancey said he was also in season three but he died so I'm 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 interested to see if that actually happens or if he was just saying that to get people excited. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that there might be some cuteness mm. in season three. Mm-hmm. That is that is my hope. I thought it was interesting after that trailer that that Alan mentioned aired, and the one person of the crew that was not on there was Wesley, <laughs> and everybody was yeah. asking, you know, Will Wheaton. It's like, oh, we feel sorry for you that you're not included, and he's like. Can't talk about it. <laughs> like, like I'm Poor okay. Poor Alan got I'm spoiled. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Charles, what about you? What uh, overall thoughts on season two? What do you feel about season three? Yeah, I, I I was really into season two till about the halfway point when it started losing me, and the reason for that is because I think the plot fell apart. And I mean, so what I, the, the thing I would want most from season three is just a well-crafted story that builds on itself each week for 10 weeks. And I feel very satisfied at the end. Like, wow, they did it. What a, what a great story. I feel great having watched that story. I don't, I mean, just put any Star Trek characters in it or no Star Trek characters. Just, I mean, I just really want a great story to watch. And that's where they, I think they really struggle with the serialized storytelling throughout the recent Star Trek shows is that they have a hard time not padding it out. They have a hard time yeah. connecting the dots. Um, and that, I mean, that's really just 
it seems like season after season, that's my biggest complaint is that the story falls apart. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, it sounds and, so simple. Just produce a good yeah. story. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I, but to your point, Mike, I think my, my theory is that we're getting the enterprise in season four. Cause I, they put a lot of money into that stargazer set for it to be in an episode and a half. I think that they were using the stargazer set or the enterprise set for stargazer. And, and that, I think that's the set that we're going to be seeing for the enterprise, mm. but that's my theory. That's, I don't uh, have the inside that's, information. That's cool. I appreciate that. Uh, Mike, what about you? Overall thoughts on two and into three. Well, first off, who would have known that Girardi can actually sing like that? That was yeah. very interesting. Hey, and anybody who knows Alan Allison Pill, like knows uh, that uh, you know from her days in Scott Pilgrim, knows that she can she can sing, she can hang. Well, I know she could drum from Scott Pilgrim, so she was singing vocals too. Mm. Not as much, but it was interesting. I, you know, it was great to hear the Pat Benatar song. Um, mm-hmm. Like everyone else, it started very, very strong. I liked the alternate universe. I liked the, you know, you know the, the concept. You know that Seven was the president, and it was real interesting to see. But they lost it like three episodes in, and. Yeah. I think they were so trying to find their footing throughout the whole rest of the series. And I was happy that the, the series ended and that, you know, they got back to the, the present and, you know, everything that we knew what was going to happen with the board queen and everything you knew that was going to happen happened. And it was just like, okay, this is done. Bring on the next, you know, my big surprise, of course, was seeing Wesley, and I'm sure we're going to see him in season three. And I wouldn't mind seeing him cross over onto some of the different shows, even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everything. Yeah. I think that would be a great concept, you know, that, you know, he's able to, you know, go on to Discovery. He's able to go on to Strange New Worlds. He's able to, you know, do different things. And I just, I think that would be kind of fun to do and it would bring some more of the fun back to star trek did i think the series was fun yeah i enjoyed i i like seeing patrick stewart and you know i've seen patrick stewart you know read a christmas carol you know and (laughs) you know i i enjoy his work i like everything he does and you know did i like this yeah it was Okay, but, you know, it wasn't my favorite, and it won't go into one of my favorites. Well, do I recommend a Star Trek fan to watch this? Heck yeah, of course. Awesome. Good points. Uh, good points all, except uh, well, I do have to uh, correct you on one thing. As we talked about on the top of the show, when you mention uh, Pat Benatar, you have to now say Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. Oh, excuse me. Yes, Pat Rock Benatar. and Roll Hall of Famer, Pat Benatar. Yes, that is oh, must. Damn okay. right. <laughs> uh, she has earned that title. Uh, so uh, anyway, <laughs> that was cool. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I think I've already said that, uh, you know, two was, uh, I think in overall, though, I think I was more pleased with two on some levels than I was season two than I was with season one. But I'm excited for season three uh, just to see everybody together or not together or however they're interacting is going to be fun. Hopefully to Charles's point, there will be a nice story to go along with it. Um, you know, and I'll be on monitor screens or something. Yeah. Uh, but you know, look, um, the showrunner is the same for season. They pretty much filmed two and three back to back. 
So it's the same people behind the th- scenes. So really don't expect miracles, folks, uh, as far as that yeah. story and all that goes. So, but we'll see. And we'll see if it really is the final outing for Picard. And, in you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways it could end. And that's, you know, that's going to be interesting to see how they wrap that up, too. So anyway, uh, we hope to have you back when that happens. Uh, I don't know when it's supposed to air. Uh, with everything else going on, Star Trek, it's going to be kind of crazy. I know you guys got a lot to do. So happy that you guys could join us for this. And uh, we will be right back. And we will, then we'll close out the show. <laughs> Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. So, due to the world, I haven't really been able to go see movies in theaters, unless they're private screenings, which has been a whole two movies since 2020. However, I did finally see Spider-Man No Way Home, and thankfully stayed away from most spoilers in that time, which is absolutely crazy because spoilers are everywhere now. I absolutely love this film. It is probably my favorite out of all the Tom Holland Spider-Man films. I will, however, say the ending. I was very sad, yet also very intrigued to see where they're going with this entire storyline now, since we know there will be more of his Spider-Man films coming out in the future, especially after that ending credits scene, since we now know the symbiote is in Tom Holland's Peter Parker's Spider-Man universe now. I absolutely loved it. And cried about how they got the with great power quote in in this film and made it beneficial to this Peter Parker. I also love the interaction of all three Peters. And Doc Ock was my absolute favorite of the villains because he really wasn't a villain in this film. But he was my absolute favorite. I really loved how they did his character. And lastly, I understand that Peter is a kid and went to Doctor Strange for help, but I need Doctor Strange to be an adult and stop jumping to help others with magic that will possibly ruin time and space, universe, you know, all of that, and then blame the kid when he realizes that maybe the adult should sat down and had a conversation with him before he cast the spell. Because asking him, did you call and talk to them before we start, you know, casting magic around would have been a good idea. I mean, he is the actual smart doctor, right? Just saying, he likes to place blame on others a whole lot. I absolutely love this film and how everyone was portrayed in it. They merged all the Spider-Verse worlds together amazingly. And I really hope we get way more of the Spider-Verse in film form, not just animation from here on out. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. So how do we describe this show? Like, what's really going to grab people's attention and make them tune in? Nerdgasm for your eargasm? What? The spice must flow to be in the know. Um. Don't be a willow. Grab your pillow. Well, that one doesn't even make sense. All right, stop. Snag a seat and listen. The nerds are back with a brand new edition. No! Uh, okay, then. The Blurred Nerds Podcast. France raves, reviews, recaps, and other bits of random fandom. Well, see, that's perfect. You should have just led with that one. Resistance is futile. Listen to the Blurred Nerds podcast right meow. Fine. Make it so. Hey, Vol- 
So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Let's thank the Earth Station Trek folks for joining us. Keith, thank you. It's been a long time since you've been on the show, my friend. Yeah, really loved it. Wish I could have been a little more positive, but had a great time. (laughs) (laughs) Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Um... This is, I'm going to go really far afield. It's not Star Trek related, but I have watched the He-Man inspired series on Netflix. And I have to tell people, I highly recommend that. I was stunned because I hated the original She-Ra and I was indifferent about the original He-Man. And I recently watched the She-Ra series that wrapped a year or so ago and loved it. And then I watched Kevin Smith's He-Man Revelations and it was really good. And the CGI one, which is the one from Mattel, that has teenagers and CGI combinations I don't like is really good, and I've gotten hooked on it. That's <laughs> awesome. Wow. That awesome. Give it a try. It's so weird. I can't believe I love that show. He <laughs> has very specific taste. If you mix teenagers and CGI, <laughs> and CGI. <I'm> yeah. <laughs> well, okay. That's so pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. Okay, and Veronica, thank you. Thank you, as always. To, yes. Glad to have you up here. Always, always a pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about? Um, watch Earth, or watch, listen to Earth Station Trek, and keep an eye out for when Felt Nerdy is performing next. Ooh, yes, and you Dragon know, Con. Anything else? Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Dragon Con. <laughs> oh, and um, we have Chuck and I, and along with Elaine Sweatman, also have another podcast that is hopefully coming to the ESO network soon, called Monkeying Around. Yes, 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 yes. I need to talk to you guys about that. <laughs> wow, what a coincidence. At the beginning of the show, when we were talking about the Hall of Fame, we said if only there was a podcast out there that could get people aware of this band so that maybe they could be eligible for the Rock Hall of Fame. And, and here it <laughs> Don't is. Don't get me like, started. Right here, like you guys are doing it. So that's that's quite uh, amazing. Oh, definitely, definitely. And Alan, thank you, sir. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. I appreciate you inviting us on. Oh, most definitely. Anything you want to promote? Or shout well, out? I have another podcast on this very network, on the ESO network. It is called <gasps> Modern Musicology. And speaking of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, our most recent episode is us uh, sort of reviewing the recently announced inductees for 2022. So uh, that episode from when we're recording comes out tomorrow and it's a great one and I'm really excited about it. So go listen to it. It'll awesome. be already be out when this goes live. So it's perfect. Exactly. So perfect. So for our Patreons, it's going to come out the same day. So there you go. <laughs> so there you go. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff. Don't worry about it. And of course, Chuck, thank you, my friend. Yes, always. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Oh, dude, I love having you and Veronica. I love having Alan. I love having Keith on the show. It's always fun to have all you guys up here. And, you know, we got to do this again soon. Yeah. Anything you want to shout out about? Yeah, well, everything that Veronica said. But also, I'll say, check out the Earth Station Trek YouTube channel. Yes. Um, Uh, Yep, we've got videos coming out now. Veronica's been watching and reviewing TOS episodes for the first time. I'm hilarious. Yep. She recaps them in her own unique way and <laughs> gives her opinions, uh, which is which a lot of fun. Yes, it is. <laughs> unique awesome. is the key word. <laughs> yes. That is Special. awesome. I've watched a couple of them. <laughs> they are definitely interesting. <laughs> they are definitely. <laughs> but it's it's neat Thanks. seeing it because it's from your first time watching them and everything. Yeah. To see, oh, that's where it came from. Oh, I get you know and everything. <laughs> yeah. 
That's pretty awesome. That's very cool. We'll have links up to it up on the uh, show notes and everything. Awesome. And of course, to each one of your podcasts and all everything else too. And, you know, we might even have a He-Man link there or something. Also. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be really far afield. As far as I know, He-Man and Trek were never melded anywhere. <laughs> yeah, you can find a connection. You know, well, <laughs> yeah. you know, the Star Trek people are keeping away from it because of the prime directive. So it's okay. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's awesome. And Mr. Mike, we made it through another episode, my friend. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about? I do. Uh, I had the um, great fortune of uh, being invited by our good friends, uh, Richard and Corey, uh, who used to be on the network and are still good friends to the station and all that. Uh, But they put on their first convention ever uh, in Knoxville. It's a horror convention. It was a one-day show. On Saturday, it was called Frank and Con, and it was in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, their big guest uh, was Joe Bob Briggs and Darcy the Mail Girl. They also had a few other folks from various horror movies. Uh, it's not really my forte, so I really didn't recognize all the names. And I must admit, I didn't even know. I mean, I knew of Joe Bob Briggs, but I had no idea that he had such a huge following. There was, oh yeah, the, the convention was very successful. There was a like they were. There was a line for him to get signatures, autographs, and and photo ops like all day. I mean, they they pulled a lot of people in. It was a great success. I uh, at one point uh, during the day, late in the day on Saturday. Uh, I went over to one of them and I said, what's wrong? Like, you guys are smiling. You're running a convention. There's what? There's no smiling when you're running a convention. Uh, but uh, they uh, they had a, a, a great response uh, and they, a great, uh, they had so much of a success that I think uh, not only are they planning it to come back next year with Frank and Khan, but I think they're also planning it to expand it to two days. So um, really, really great stuff. Uh, uh, we sold a lot of stuff. Peter and I at uh, Tiki Zombie Table saw a good friend, Anthony Taylor, there. Got to see the casket creatures perform, which is always fun. Lots of great things that that, that were there. So uh, I know that they will, if they're having two days, a uh, two-day event, then they're, it's even going to be double the fun. It's going to be an amazing setup. So uh, congratulations to those guys. Uh, there's a new convention that uh, everybody needs to pay attention to, and that's FrankenCon. So look uh, to see news about what they do um, coming up uh, for next year. That is awesome. That is awesome. Congrats. I'm glad you had a good time. I heard Peter did really awesome at the show. Also, He did, man. It was definitely his crowd. I mean, he's so into horror, and a lot of his uh, uh, artwork is, is horror-based. So he tapped into that vein, and it was uh, very much a success. That is awesome. And I heard, I heard that you actually also, even more important than going to the con, you made it to Bucky's for the first time. <laughs> we, yes, we did stop at Bucky's and then we were overwhelmed and we had to leave. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. After, yep. after about five minutes, I was like, oh my God, we have to go because otherwise I will never get out of here. <laughs> no, that is. is an insane madhouse. If uh, I, it's crazy. I don't know if it's going to be like, if it is it, I don't know. That's just, it's amazing to me. If it's a novelty of it, or if it's just like going to be like that for eternity, but it's eternity. eternity. I've been to ones in Texas or I've been into ones in Alabama and stuff. And they're all the same, even though they've been open for years, it's all the same. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, it is. So yes, I can recommend that as well. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I'm actually going to do a food item for my shout out. I actually found 
something that, you know, I never knew existed and it's a limited time thing. So I had to pick up like three or four bags of it. Um, I'm, I grew up in Maryland. A lot of people know that already and love spicy food and love seafood and everything. And one of the trademarks in Maryland is old Bay seasoning. Mm -hmm. And one of the, you know, I put old Bay on baked potatoes. I put it on popcorn. (laughs) I put it on, you know, almost eggs, everything, you know, just to add to the taste and everything. So the folks, the fine folks at, I guess it's uh, Pepperidge Farms who do the goldfish have come out with Old Bay seasoning goldfish. What? Yes. <laughs> what? Where is this? I must have it. Uh, I found it today at Publix. And what? And, and it was oh. it was funny. It was like only like two dollars and fifteen cents a bag or something. Damn it! And Publix is closed now. I have to wait till tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mike. Uh-huh. <laughs> No, and it is awesome, and they even what? have the bags even look like uh-huh. the uh, like the the little old bay boxes and everything. <laughs> oh my god, I'm oh. gonna get 15 of them here. That's what yes. they look like. Yes. And it, oh my god, that's amazing. It is awesome, and it's funny. Don't get them on Amazon though, because um, Am- no. I would not even <laughs> no. think of doing that. No, because Amazon wants to because they're only available in limited areas of the country, and when they do that, they jack up the prices they wanted like 13 dollars a bag on <laughs> amazon that that can't be right yeah and no it's it's the truth and so i i decided to stop by Publix, and Publix had like a whole shelf of them and i was like yes i had to stop myself and just do four but it was just like <laughs> I, i'm sure i'll be running back to get some more and everything it is pretty awesome i think it's selling for 12 bucks a bag yeah, ex- that's not a bad <laughs> Undercut idea. Undercut Amazon's price. Exactly. No, eleven ninety nine. That's there you the go. way to do it. There you go. I'll do there the Costco go. thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty awesome. And folks, it is amazing. I, you know, I had them with lunch today, and it was just like, oh. And I'm not a huge goldfish fan either. And it's it was. Just oh, crazy. see, I love goldfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love them. And so yeah, and it's it, there's a, it's an easy snack, and it's just like ooh, old bay. Ah. So it was it was awesome. Um, you know, I definitely recommend it and everything. And, you know, Old Bay for everything else, too. It's perfect. <laughs> so I'm you don't complain about that. And speaking of not complaining about anything, we're going to be going back to the movies next week. Please join us when we are going back and we are going to be looking at the new Downton Abbey movie. That's right, folks. We are going to be joining the Crawley family back. And we are going to be, of course, talking about Downton Abbey, a new era. So it should be very interesting to see Our some more friends. Travel. Yeah, exactly. Ah. Time travel to the rest of the world. <laughs> exactly. We, we might see Picard there or Q. <laughs> soon. Exactly. Oh, soon. Of course, soon's going to be. <laughs> That'd be awesome if that would. <laughs> so it should be a ton of fun to watch the movie, and you know, it's going to be. I'll, I'm looking forward to it, and you know I've loved everything else Downton Abbey's done, and you know, you know Adrian does an af- amazing job, and he loves his characters, so you know it'd be very cool. So, so with that being said, of course, you know we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us feedback at earthstation1.com. And as we always like to say, thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find them at nsclivetv.com. 
Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now TuneIn Radio. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, Veronica, and Chuck, and Alan, and Keith, thank you for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We'll see you next time here. Stay safe. Hug your loved ones. Peace. And you know what? It's springtime. Enjoy the weather. We'll talk to you soon. Later. Peace. And we're done. You've been listening to the Earth Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.